Hi there and thanks for joining us. Busy episode ahead and a very diverse one. First, we have the one-of-a-kind course being launched in marketing in UCC. Then, the drive to make Cork the most inclusive county in Ireland. And finally, the confidence coach who says the Irish have a problem with apologising. I'm Jonathan Healy and this is Red Business. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. First up on Red Business this week, we're going back to university because there is a new Master's in Strategic Marketing and Practice that has been launched at UCC under the Cork University Business School. It is unique, uh, not just in Cork, but indeed in Ireland. And here to tell me all about it from UCC is David Alton. Dave, how are you? Thanks for joining us. Delayed to be here, Jonathan. Tell me a little bit about the course. Why did you decide to set this up? So I suppose we decided towards the end of the last academic year that a lot of our students were leaving undergraduate level, having majored in marketing. They had a good grasp of the theory of marketing. They were very, very good at possibly uh, challenging conventional ideas. They were very, very good at knowing and uh, writing about marketing. They knew what the technologies were, but they weren't necessarily able to put these technologies into an organization or practice marketing in and of itself. So we decided that instead of shipping all of our wonderful students up to Trinity and UCD, which is what the conventional kind of journey for a marketing We had a conveyor belt up to Dublin, didn't we? Exactly. That's exactly what was happening. We decided, well, we don't want to lose our great students to to um, to Dublin. Uh, we don't want to lose them to Trinity. We don't want to lose them to UCD. There's some great companies in Cork, if you take the likes of Teamwork.com, an incredible company, um, and there's lots of great companies in Cork, and we want our students to possibly stay in Cork, or at least finish off their education in Cork, so that they can contribute to society and the community. Now, you say this is unique in Ireland, uh, in terms of a Masters, why is it unique? I suppose what we do is that we offer uh, placement and consultancy opportunities to the students who take the, who take the Masters itself. Um in marketing now, there's a huge amount of challenges that exist within the world and you need to approach these challenges in a very, very innovative way. So if you just take, for example, something that's going on in industry at the moment, Amazon are exploring zero-click ordering. We're talking about e-commerce being kind of the, the, great, um, the great kind of innovation of this kind of marketing generation. And already Amazon are pivoting into zero-click ordering whereby you will either order something via voice-related technology or they are going to send you a box of stuff that they think you want based on the data that they've collected on you based on machine learning algorithms and so on and so forth and then you are going to choose from that box what you are actually going to how, what you want how, and what you how do they stop me taking the stuff out of the box and not giving it back if they're sending it to be unsolicited can so I not just keep it You, so I suppose with Amazon they don't care they'll do it once if you don't play by the rules they don't mind as you far know, as they're I have a box of stuff I'm happy yeah. but yes but the, the <laughs> yeah. problem is and, and this comes to the nub of it really and, and, and this is why it's such a pressing conversation Marketing is hugely disrupted. Uh, in yeah. the same way the communications has been disrupted, i.e. we are speaking now on a podcast that is exclusively a podcast. Absolutely. Uh, how disrupted is the marketing world right now? And this generation that you're taking into this master's class, how different is what they're learning to what was learned 10 years ago? It's absolutely huge. And it's constantly evolving. And we as marketers need to evolve with the challenges as they arise and with the new technologies as they develop. So even if you take at the moment, if you take um, the big uh, the big four, uh, Apple, Amazon, Facebook and Google, uh, the, one of the presidential nominees for the Democratic Party, Elizabeth Warren, recently announced that she wants to break up big tech. 
all of a sudden, if you are presented as a marketer with that scenario, you're not using just Facebook advertising. You're not just using Google to advertise. Instead, you're looking at Google, DoubleClick, YouTube as three independent companies. You're looking at Facebook, Messenger, WhatsApp, Instagram, four separate companies. So all of a sudden, that could disrupt the industry even further. If we're talking about advertising and digital advertising at the moment, then that's entirely focused on two companies. It's Google and it's Facebook. There's Mm. no one really else playing there besides possibly um, besides possibly Amazon. Yeah, but the, the problem with that is if you focus everything on two products and two sales pitches, everything else suffers. Every, exactly. Every, every, everything is negatively impacted by that. And, you know, far be it from me to say Elizabeth Warren is right, but maybe she has a point at least. Oh, no, I absolutely 100% agree with her. Um, if you look at some of the damage that these big tech companies have done within more society um, and the marketplace as well, the stats speak for themselves. So if you take Amazon, they've doubled their market capitalization over the last um, over the last 12 months. Um and what this basically means is that you're taking money away from startups, indigenous companies. You're sucking all the life out of that market. And essentially, a lot of startups are starting now. And their out is, we're going to be bought by Facebook or, or um, Facebook or Amazon. Mm. So again, this isn't healthy for the, for the world at the moment. If you also take Amazon, for example, they decided to open up HQ2. And I'd be very, very critical of just the approach that these companies have to the cities that they're kind of that they're residing in. So they set up this basically fake competition. Jeff Bezos said, "We're going to go and we're going to go into one of these twenty-four cities." Um, and everyone knew they weren't going to go to those twenty-four cities. They were going to go to Washington. They were going to go to New York. And they were pitching to each of those cities: build us the infrastructure, uh, give us uh, tax breaks, give us whatever we want. That means that you're taking money out of universities, schools, fire departments, police departments, and you're giving it to the richest company in the world. And that is just fundamentally mm. wrong. Uh, so this new generation of students that you're hoping to foster, how do you how do you get through to them that? Okay, there is a better way. I mean, it's not an altruistic exercise. They need to have ability to to make money and find jobs. So how do you how do you tell these students, these farmers of mines in the future, uh, how to do it? I suppose what it's all about is it's about making them critically think about the world, making them critically think about marketing challenges and making them critically think about the role of marketing within society. So if you take the opportunities that they are going to be afforded in the future, their opportunities are going to be enhanced greatly if there are more technology companies out there, if, again, these guys are possibly broken up. Um, And ultimately, it's all about realising not just how to be a good marketing practitioner, but realising the impact of marketing. So if you look at, for example, the role of marketing in things like gender roles, um, body image, all of these things, marketing has had a substantial impact um, and it's about teaching students that. So even if you take um, the example of um, of kids at the moment, a study carried out by uh, NYU Stern um, in New York showed that the majority, or not the majority, but there has been a massive um, increase in the amount of teenagers who are depressed because they are constantly plugged into these social channels. They're looking at all of their friends. And I suppose when you post something on social media, it is a false reality. It is the perfect pic- or the perfect pixelated photograph. If you have all of your friends presenting their lives in a very, very kind of a utopian sense, then of course it's going to, it's going to damage you as a teenager in terms mm. of your developmental so skills. How do, and how, understanding but how do you get world. through to that? How can you change the system to benefit that kid and still do your job? Um, I think that this is about understanding what is 
what kind of a world we kind of want to live in, I suppose, more than anything else. And when you're tackling these big questions, you have to think of big ideas to solve uh, to solve these problems. And again, that's where this breaking up of big tech idea uh, comes into play. Tell us a little bit about the fact that this is practical as well. The companies you've worked with, I mean, you've, you've got a wealth of companies here in Cork, you listed some of them already. How willing are they to engage uh, with, with the university sector now uh, to, to work with these students? Companies are great. Like, I mean, at the moment for this master's, we've got a number of live case studies lined up. We've got industry professionals who are going to come in and do labs with students in terms of teaching them the operational skills that they need to, for example, use a HubSpot, use Google AdWords, use Facebook advertising, whatever their graphic design whatever whatever the case may be um, and companies are incredibly generous in terms of giving their time coming in talking to students telling them about their experiences their stories um, and it's great to see that uh, that University College Cork is able to reach out to industry and enhance the engagement of our students by engaging with industry So you're appealing to people now who are probably finishing up their, their bachelor's degree right now in, in a business related topic this is there for them if they want it from September how do they go about applying for the course or even finding out more about it? So what you would do is you would go on to a pack and if you want uh, any more information you can either contact me or you can contact Dr Helen McGrath who's the course director you can contact me on uh, david.alton A-L-T-O-N at ucc.e or go on to the UCC website and there's a wealth of video information there um, information about the course information about the type of labs the case studies and so on and so forth so again I would say to anyone who's coming out of undergrad and they feel like I need another year of college I need another year to upskill myself so I can really go out into the working world um, working world prepared then this is definitely the the master's course for you. It is a fascinating world that, as I said, is changing so quickly. And uh, here's hoping that there's another good idea in there uh, that's going to revolutionise it again. Who knows, it could be a student from Cork in the future. Uh, David Alton uh, from University College Cork. Good luck with the new master's in strategic marketing and practice. And thanks for joining us on Red Business. Thanks very much. Red Business. All that's best about business in Cork. So now on Red Business, we are at the launch of Ability at Work, which is a program that is designed to connect 60 people who are living with a disability with employers in Cork over the course of the next few years. And Sean Abbott, who is the CEO of Cope Foundation, is with me. Sean, you're very welcome. How are you? It's great to see you. and Thank you. It's good to be here. And this is a really, really great program. Tell us a little bit about it and, and why you are taking part in it. Okay. I suppose Cope Foundation um, has a vision for people with disabilities, which um, enables them to become part of an inclusive society in Cork City and County. Um, we have a vision that supports people to live life their way, and most of us would love a job. Uh, all of us would love a job. So we're trying to enable 60 people with a disability to get jobs, real paid jobs, in their local communities. You're not starting from standstill. You've actually got people who are already in employment. And, and what feedback have you been getting from both those employees and the employers? Um, the feedback from employees is that their lives have changed. Their lives have been transformed. They're now seen as colleagues, friends, workers in an organisation, be it Eli Lilly or Café Vilo or Duke's Coffee House. For employers, they're seeing a change in the atmosphere in the workplace. They're seeing, um, what would you call it, friendliness, uh, a work ethic, a kind of a, a acceptance, an acceptance well. yeah. of the person. And so they're seeing a more inclusive and more diverse workplace taking place. 
when you look at the figures, they're quite stark. I mean, Cope Foundation works with people throughout their their younger years, yeah. their teenage years, but the reality is the people who live with a disability are twice as likely to be unemployed as those yeah. uh, who, who, who don't have a disability. And we need to shift that, don't we? We definitely do. It's definitely do. There's no reason why many of the people we support cannot get a job and cannot become uh, a productive, um, hard-working citizen within their own communities. There's no reason whatsoever. With the right supports and with the right approach being taken by us and by the employer, then there's no reason it shouldn't succeed. Uh, I've been speaking with many of your colleagues from Co-Foundation today. There's a real enthusiasm, oh. isn't there, amongst those uh, who are working on the Ability at Work programme and throughout the wider organisation exactly. to, to press ahead with this, isn't there? Oh, this is, this is our only mission. Our vision is this inclusive society where people with disabilities are given socially valued roles and are appreciated for what they are and who they are, rather than for what their perception of them is. Now, of course, uh, you are fundraising at the moment yeah. with Flowers of Hope, so that we're in the middle of Flowers of Hope season, yeah. so we, we can't not mention no. it. So what do people need to do to plant those flowers? Well, if you look at the Cope Foundation website, you'll find all the information about our Flowers of Hope campaign. Um, if you tweet the hashtag uh, Flowers of Hope, you'll pick it up there. Um, or contact us directly at, at the Cope Foundation, and we'll put you in touch with the fundraising team, and they'll look after you with support bags, etc., etc. Well... We'll definitely do that, yeah. but I know that there are people here who are very much active uh, with ability at work, so let's go and have a word with them. Perfect. The only show in town for Cork Business, Red Business. So how does it work in practice? Well, with me now, we've got Conor O'Donovan, who's the head of HR and administration at Lidl, and Amy Begley, who works with Lidl in Kentuck, Amy, isn't it? Yes. Conor, tell us, first of all, from Lidl's perspective, why did you get involved in the program? Um, we met with Marion Hennessy from Ability at Work. Marion spoke to us about the number of people that she had on her books who were looking for employment. Not people with disabilities, but actually people with great ability. People like Amy, who's here with us this morning. And we had opportunities within our store network and within our warehouse to provide employment. And we wanted to make sure that we played our part. So, Amy, tell us a little bit about how long... Well, first of all, how long have you been working with Lee? Um, uh, 16 weeks. Okay, and how did you get involved first of all? Um, it was actually, um, I met Connor um, in the graduation, actually, in Doris. And then I also went to an event as well in um, Fota. So it was really nice that I was able to stay connected with Connor. Well, having started working there, it, it's gone fairly quickly for you. Now, you're pretty much doing everything in Lidl that everyone else does, aren't you? Nearly, yeah, <laughs> almost. <laughs> tell, tell, me, tell me about your job and your responsibilities. What do you do? Um, well, I... I, I stock as well, and you, I, I stocked in on food. I stock the food and the, uh, the freezing area, and I'm also on tills as well. Okay. So as I said, pretty much everything everybody else does. <laughs> um, what is it like to have a job? What does it mean to you to be able to get that paycheck? I think it's really nice that I'm able to actually have the ability to get up, get ready, and go straight to work. And everyone is so nice, and I think that's a big thing for me as well, is that, I, that I'm able to go to uh, work and everyone is so nice. The managers are lovely, and the staff are fab, and they all have patience, so that's a big deal for me. <laughs> well, I tell you, that, there's a huge uh, sales pitch for the HR side of it, which you're responsible for, Connor. Um, how much is Lidl going to do of this? Are you looking to do more, um, more work like this, hiring more people like Amy, more Amy's, uh, and not just here in Cork, but right around the country? Yeah, well, it's been a huge success. First, Jonathan, we have um, seven people employed so far, five through our relationship with Cove Foundation. Certainly, we will look to do more of it. The, the main thing is that we actually do it right, and I suppose that we invest 
you know, where we need to invest and make sure that people like Amy are supported because they can add fantastic value to our business and have done. So, yes, we will absolutely do more throughout the county and also up towards Limerick, Galway, uh, Clare, etc. as well. Conor O'Donovan, Head of HR at Lidl, and Amy Begley, an employee of Lidl in Cantor. Thanks for joining us in Red Business. Thank you. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you, Jonathan. Red Business, Cork's exclusive business podcast. Now, we can all do with a little bit of confidence in our lives, and there are times when even the most confident out there, it dips a little bit. So, you need the help, sometimes, of my next guest. She is a confidence coach. Her company is KT Confidence Coaching. Karina Toutless, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I got the pronunciation reasonably right on your name. Yeah, you were fine. <laughs> so tell me a little bit about yourself. You're from France. Uh, yeah, I came to Ireland um, nearly nine years ago now as a French teaching assistant. I was uh, studying English in college and I came during my master's years here. Totally fell in love with the country. So eight months became eight years now. And um, I came down to Cork for work. Uh, all these years I've been in Cork, I had different different jobs in different companies here, you know. So, look, it's an unusual thing to have a confidence coach. How did you end up exploring that as an area? Well, actually, when I, I trained as a coach um, and I had to have clients, that I noticed that whenever we were having session, whatever issues they wanted to work on, the main issue was always their confidence. It always started with that, with me having to build up their confidence, and then everything was flowing naturally. So I just decided, you know, whatever your problem is, we can just sort it out with confidence, a bit of a confidence boost. And why is it that we lack it? Is it something unique to us here in Ireland that uh, we are forever think that we are not confident enough to do something? I was told that it's easy for me because I'm French. It's true. And um, I think you guys have a tendency to really beat yourself up so easily. We do love that. It's part of what we are. But when you say nice things about yourself, you always make it sound like it's a joke. You, it's like, you know, you're nervous to actually talk positively about yourself. So I want to give you a bit of this French Zazazoom that I have that is totally allowing me to say, yeah, I'm great. And there's nothing wrong with that. And you are great too. Just embrace that, you know. But do you find there's resistance amongst the Irish to do that? That we we are naturally, I won't say retiring. Um, that's not the right word. But we're we're shy. We we don't like to big ourselves up. We're more likely to apologise for for something than than accentuate the positive in it. That when I said apologise, you that looks like that frustrates the hell out of you, does it? No, it's just it. It's true. You apologise a lot. Like you apologise. I'm sorry for a asking lot. that question. <laughs> And what I do is I try to challenge people to stop saying I'm sorry and say thank you instead. Like, I'm sorry I'm late. Thank you for waiting for me. I'm sorry you have to bear with my bad mood. Thank you for being so patient. You know, I challenge that a lot with my clients. But actually, the women I'm working with, they are really willing to make this effort and they really want to be more confident. So they put on the work with me and they really, really completely embrace the process and their life is completely different after that. Is there a difference in the confidence levels between women and men? Um, Yes. Like, I would say that women are less, like, how can I say? They are less afraid to show they they are not confident. You know, they... For a woman, it's okay not to be confident. But I think for a man, somehow you have to pretend you're confident, even if you're not. So it's more difficult 
to ask for help with confidence issue for a man because somehow you're supposed to show I'm strong, I'm big, I'm confident all the time. So um, I think maybe that's why more mostly it's women coming to see me. What about misplaced confidence? Because that, that can be a thing as well. Somebody thinks they're good at something um, and, and it doesn't match their ability. Have you encountered that? And how, how do you tell somebody, well, you, you're very good at this, but, you know, maybe don't accentuate that too much. Well, that's that's part of, you know, my training and experience and how to, to speak with people, obviously. But I I often, when I do workshops or talks and I talk about confidence, I really define the three types of confidence. So the low confidence, the normal self-confidence, and the overconfidence. It's like when you believe you have a skill that you actually don't. Confidence is really about actually identifying your skills, your talents, and what is making you special. So overconfidence is not welcome there because overconfidence often leads to accidents. You know, like big accidents like Chernobyl. They are really the result of overconfidence from the scientists there, you know, for example. So overconfidence is a very dangerous thing and... I've never really encountered someone in my practice that was overconfident about something, but I met people in my life like that, and I was just trying as politely as possible to just challenge a bit what was making them think mm. that they had this ability. You, you've worked a lot with teenagers throughout your career, yes. um, particularly in your earlier life that, as, as a teaching assistant. Did mm-hmm. that give you an insight, that, that younger mind, that mind that you know obviously has a confidence but doesn't know what it wants to do yet? Did, did you take a lot from the teen? Well, for me, the teens are awesome and they are my favorite to work with. And every time when I say that, people say, oh, your crazies are difficult to work. Oh, no, they are awesome. No, they're very stroppy and they're there for uh, the bags of hormones. They don't know what they want. <laughs> what, what, yeah. Why was your experience different? Because I don't know. I think when you actually take the time to listen to them and to actually really give them attention, to give them an ear, they really appreciate that and they open up and you can really get very deep into their mind and they really actually they need someone to be there for them and I have the feeling because they have such an outside of aggressiveness that is coming from every kind of pressure you can have at teenagehood because you have to behave like an adult but at the same time you're still treated like a child you know and you have your body changing you're changing as a human you're changing as a person in school as well you have to to look for um, what your career is going to be what you're going to study and it's like so important so they really are like full of gunpowder mm. Yes, so, that could go off at any moment, as any parent of a teenager will tell you. Yeah, and actually I have a really, really big bucket of water to spread on that powder and to make sure everything flows. You know, I am just there for them. And believe me, they really need to be listened to and not to be attacked even more. That's all. Well, and something that is a particular issue for teenagers, but is becoming more of an issue for adults as well, the world of social media. Um, and this ability of individuals to get access to you and tell you that you're not good. Mm. Um, is that having an impact? Are you seeing that in practice, that you've got confident people coming in who are good at what they do, but that confidence is being dented because they're seeing negative things about them online? Well, I didn't really encounter anybody so far with cyberbullying issue. I don't know if it's very big in Ireland or not, but what I noticed is that Oftentimes they think that they are not as good as others because others are really looking great on Instagram, for example. Instagram for me is the worst for a teenager. Don't let your teenagers having an Instagram account. It's really bad for their confidence. And I try to explain them not to compare their inside with somebody's outside. 
So what you see on Instagram is actually somebody's outside, how they want to look, how they want to show themselves to the world. But it's not what they are really okay. in their everyday life. So if the person listening to this right now, if they don't do one single thing to boost their confidence, what would it be? What do they need to do? Focus on what you have and what you don't have. Okay. As a skill, as a talent, as um, a quality, whatever. Just focus on what you have and stop thinking about what you don't have. Have you ever failed to boost somebody's confidence to the degree that you wanted to? No. <laughs> See, you're very confident in your answer there. So you didn't even have to think too much about it. How can people find you, Karina, if they're looking to have a little bit of a pep talk and to boost their confidence? Well, they can find me on all major social media, Instagram included. But, uh, <laughs> Instagram uh, blocking your account as we speak after what you said about them. But you're on Facebook, you're on Twitter. I am on Facebook, especially. Actually, the best way to contact me is on Facebook because that's where I'm the most active. Okay. And, um, so just search for KT, uh, the letter K, the letter T, Confidence Coaching. That's right. And that will find you. Karina Tolquist, uh, thank you so much for joining us. We wish you the very best of luck. Thanks, Jonathan. My thanks to all my guests. Don't forget to check out all the other great podcasts from Red FM on redextra.ie. If you want to get involved in Red Business, then email redbusiness at redfm.ie. Neil Hennessy produced, and we'll catch you on the next one.